Psalm 23 The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, for this morning, I want to turn our attention to Psalm 23. And Psalm 23 is one of the most beloved, one of the most precious, one of the most transformative and stabilizing passages in all of Scripture. And some way I come to Psalm 23 with a little, little trepidation. It in many ways is like a wedding. Weddings make me very nervous to perform as a minister because I feel like at weddings I can only mess them up. So often I'll write the bride's name in red ink in giant letters on my wedding manuscript because I have this fear of saying her name wrong because if you do that then just uh, disaster. You've messed it up. And so Psalm 23 in some ways is like that. It's so precious. It's so powerful. It's so potent that in some ways all I can really do is mess it up and it's my job to get out of the way and let the the passage work its power on you and so as we think about in this season in this stage of life this season that we're in our current series is looking at different psalms as an antidote to anxiety and last week we looked at Psalm 27, and then this week we're going to look at Psalm 23. And Psalm 23 is this beautiful passage that can serve as a powerful antidote to anxiety if we let it do its work in our hearts. So if you have your Bibles, open up with me to Psalm 23, and you just heard it read. And then now as we move through it, there's just a couple things initially I want you to notice I'm becoming increasingly convinced that the most important skill for understanding the Bible is not advanced linguistic training, as helpful as that is. It's not advanced cultural analysis and cultural contextual awareness, as important as all of those things are, but it's just the ability to notice. So what I want you to notice is you look through the whole, there's this beautiful structure and pattern. It begins and ends with what does the Lord provide? He's our shepherd. So what does he provide? He provides food and drink, verse two and three. And then he provides food and drink, preparing a table in verse five or six. He makes us lie down in green pastures. And he leads us by still waters, providing the food and drink. And then the culmination in verse 5 and 6, he prepares a table in the presence of our enemies. So he begins with a feast, and that feast is flush 
pastures and still waters and then it ends in a feast and that feast is a banqueting table that he's prepared for us at home so you have food you have drink and then in the middle you have security he gives security he rescues he will restore which is renew rescue and then he'll lead you so it's security but then it's also security and comfort because it's his rod and his staff and then at the very, mid- the very middle, middle, the heart, is no fear, no anxiety. For even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. So that's the ultimate anecdote to anxiety. That is, that is the ultimate anecdote. And so let's uh, spend a few minutes this, this morning, uh, wherever you are, whoever you're with, and just meditating on this psalm, uh, hoping to work into our hearts the reality that if the Lord is with us, there's nothing that we should fear. So a couple other things to notice. Just notice as you're reading it, the dynamic back and forth between um, the I and the he, the I and the me, the he and the you. And so you can see... um, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down. Verse 1, see verse 4, even though I walk through the valley, I will not fear. And then verse 5 and 6, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And then the dynamic back and forth between the he. He makes me lie down. He leads me by still waters. And then the you, you are with me. Your rod comfort me. You will prepare a table for me. Notice that beautiful shift between talking about him in the third person, he, 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 to you. Now he's present. I'm talking to him directly. But again, that, the key moment for the whole psalm and the key place that we want to get to and that we want to live in in this season is that you are with me. Therefore, I will not fear. So let's just pick out a couple things. Just a couple things as we move through this to meditate on and to notice. First, notice if the Lord is your shepherd, then you have no wants. I have no wants. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So think in your mind the images, and hopefully we'll be able to put up some of these images or put them in the bottom uh, of, of the, on the website and the, the show notes. But think about the open pasture land of Judea. Um, so this is before cell phones. This is, um, if you're a shepherd and you're taking your sheep out to graze in the open pasture lands, I mean, once you leave the village, you're on your own. There is no... Uh, there's no, there's no calling for help. There's no uh, people who can come. Um, hmm, I have a fabulous book that I can not only tell you about, I can show you. And this is uh, by Ken Bailey on the Good Shepherd. Ken Bailey is one of my favorite uh, commentators, and he has written a, this tremendous book. He was a New Testament scholar, unique character, New, Test- New Testament scholar, then also spent years as a missionary to the Bedouin tribes in Palestine, and then also different uh, people in the desert around Egypt, and just fascinating perspective. And uh, he has this quote that once the shepherds, even in modern day, once the shepherds go out into the land, They have to surrender to the mercies of the wilderness and the desert. Once they leave, once they take their flock with them, they are at the mercy 
of the desert. There's no, no, no police you can call to protect you. You think about the dangers that are all around. You've got thieves, you know, wild animals, snakes, dust storms, water shortages, loose rocks, the, the furnace that can create it from the desert heat. You know, there's no first responders. There's no emergency contacts. You're all alone. But the beautiful thing is, if the Lord is my shepherd, there's nothing else I need. I have no other wants. Um, notice the parallel here with, with the end of, of Psalm 23. So he makes me lie down. He leads me. We go out in the pasture. He provides. And then he brings me back home. He will see to my pasturing during the day. So during the day, when we're traveling, when we're going out, he will make sure that I have all that we need. And then he will bring me safely home at the end of the day. It's one of the most beautiful, precious promises that we have is that if the Lord is our shepherd, he will bring us safely home at the end of the day. And in between those two times, when the, in the morning, we, we go out to the pasture land, and in the evening, he's going to bring us safely home. And in between that time, it's goodness, goodness and mercy for following us all throughout the day. So the Lord is my shepherd. And then let's think for a second about how does the shepherd care for his sheep? I think it's so beautiful that it begins with food ends with food, and then the middle is comfort, security, and safety. So he's going to provide food and water, food and water, feast. So this is food and water, the necessities. This is food and water, the feasting, and he provides both. And then in the middle is comfort and safety. You know, you think about the difference between sheep and other animals, like um, one of the things that our kids are binge-watching over uh, this in the situation is uh, they've been binge watching the dog whisper because they um, part of their they're savvy little fellas little guys and gals because part of their strategy is they want to get a dog and if they can learn about training the dog and they think that once they've watched the dog whisper they know how to train a dog but they're amazing because dogs can be trained to do a lot of things you can train them to sit you can train them to lie down you can train them uh, where to use the bathroom but sheep aren't that way sheep can't be trained to sit they can't be trained in essence to lie down um sheep will only lie down this is a quote from ken bailey if their bellies are full their thirst is quenched and there's no danger kind of sounds like some of the men in this house that uh they'll only lie down once their bellies are full their thirst are quenched and there is no danger he says a lone dog barking can cause a whole herd to panic and to jump and to run. And so here's the good shepherd that he can lead them to green pastures and he can make them lie down. Um, one of the images we'll show or we'll, we'll show when we went to Israel, a beautiful trip when we were there. Um, it, was, it was just after the rainy season, so everything was flush and full and beautiful and in bloom. But that's only three months of the year. So another, you know, eight, nine months the shepherd's primary role is figuring out where they're going to find water and food. Bailey says the shepherd must plan his whole day around the availability of water. He has to know where it is and how to get them there to it. So he leads me. 
to these places. It's a beautiful image. It's not he's behind me with the whip cracking, driving. You know, there's that famous painting um, of the shepherd who's leading his sheep. He's out in front. He's leading the sheep. He's walking slowly in front. Then uh, often the shepherds would have their own musical call that they would, they would sing out. And then their sheep would hear, uh, often a slow, Bailey says it would be like a 10-second tune um, on a pipe. And then the sheep would know the sound of their shepherd's voice and they would follow. So there's amazing scenes where you have multiple shepherds coming to one location, all giving, um, giving their sheep drink. They're all drinking. And then all of a sudden one shepherd will send out the tune. And then his, all of a sudden you see the rustling and his sheep will go and they'll find their way to him. They'll hear his voice and they'll follow. couple other things that are just interesting about sheep is that they won't drink if the water's too swift. So often the shepherds would have to dig these little pools so they could then uh, eat. And you think about this is a this is image. It's a powerful, beautiful image of in the midst of chaos, you can experience calm. So the Lord is my, he will lead me to green pastures and he'll lead me to still waters. And it really is a remarkable thing that David is celebrating because you think about, um, man, you think your life is crazy. You think for a minute about David's life. I mean, David, think about the different things that he had to deal with throughout his life. I mean, even once he was king, you think, oh man, you're king. Now everything is going to be easy. But you got uh, murder in his family, incest, betrayal, adultery, treachery, civil war, the killing of his own son, the abandonment of others. I mean, David knew all of those things. And then even in the midst of all of that, the Lord will bring him to a place of peace, calm in the midst of chaos. So no matter what, we don't know what we're actually going to experience over the next several weeks. We don't know if we're on the back end of the chaos and the difficulty or if it's only just beginning. But what we do know is that there's a place of refuge in the presence of the Lord and He can bring us, no matter what's happening externally, He can bring us to a place of calm internally. That's what He did for David. That's what He can do for us. So the outsides, the way the Lord prepare, or protects, provides, prepares, is he prepares food and water. And then in the middle is he provides safety and security. Notice, he restores my soul. In verse uh, 2 and verse 3, he restores my soul, verse 3. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Now there's so much more to this restore than just a, a renewal, like he's renewed my strength. That's part of it, but there's so much more. Literally, literally, you could translate that, he has brought me back. He's rescued me. You could translate it, he rescues my soul. And just think about the way that word adds a whole nother shade of beauty to what the shepherd's going to do. He's going to rescue you. He's going to bring you back. See, here's the image of a sheep that um, is not just in need, but this is the image of a sheep who's lost. He has been lost, and it's the good shepherd who's going out into the wilderness to bring the sheep back. So you think the when a sheep would get lost in the wilderness when it would get stuck you know what they would start doing is they would just hide somewhere in the bushes and just start bleeding start not bleeding but bleat like 
bah, 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 and just start crying out. And they wouldn't know what to do. And so you think um, of personal survival strategy, if you're a sheep, just crying out like that might not be the best idea because that's a signal to every predator within a mile that you're there and you're helpless. And, uh, and the only hope for the sheep is that he's going to go and he's going to bring them back. You know, think about it. They don't have any... Uh, sheep has no ability to defend itself. You know, no fangs, no claws, no terrifying roar. The sheep is helpless. And so the shepherd would have to go, and there, there's two things the shepherd would have to do. He'd have to, one, he'd have to find the sheep. He'd have to find it. He'd have to... Um, hear the call and then know where it has gone and he would have to find the sheep and then he would have to restore the sheep. That's all wrapped up in this rescuing. He goes and gets, he finds, and then he brings back. And then you think about this, the image of him bringing back the lost sheep. You know, often you'll see those images of Jesus with his kind of like perfectly permed hair and he's holding the baby sheep in his arms, bringing them back into the fold. And that's not quite the image of what's happening here. So you need to think about the, sh the sheep at this point is not like a 15 pound little cuddly snuggle bunny. Uh, the sheep is a 90 pound, dirty, large animal and the shepherd would have to go out into the wilderness, the rocky mountainous wilderness, find the sheep if it had been wounded, damaged somehow, and he would have to hoist it on his shoulders and then carry it back to the flock. So you think about it, what type of person, what type of man can go and hoist a 90-pound sheep on his shoulders and then hike with it through maybe a couple miles of mountainous terrain? A strong one. A strong man can do that. And he's got to go and he's got to rescue them. And that's what the shepherd is doing when he's going to restore them. He's going to find and he's going to restore and this is one of the beautiful things that he does. And so maybe it's worth just pausing and thinking about how he uh, rescues the sheep that's been lost. But before he can rescue it, the sheep has to bleat out and cry out, recognizing, I'm lost. I need you. And so maybe in this season, maybe this is a perfect season for you to pause and confront or confess the own reality that you've been lost. Maybe this is a great opportunity for you to hit the reset button on life and reorient yourself and think, let me spend some time refocusing and reprioritizing. I have been lost and he can restore me. So maybe that's what you need to ask the Lord to do in this season. And then he leads them in the paths of righteousness. He's going to take them, he's going to bring them back and then lead them on the path so that they can find life it's all for his namesake because he's a good shepherd so he can't lose his sheep and then here in verse 4 is is the heart even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for you are with me and your rod and your staff they come for me so you have the images of the Judean wilderness walking through these valleys giant uh, rocky um, type mountains on each side terror everywhere but you can walk with the shepherd following his voice knowing that you can be in the shadow to protect you from the sun and that as long as he is with you you are safe and this here verse 4 this is anxiety's ultimate antidote this is it this is where we go for peace 
and comfort. And then notice that's the next thing he brings. It's, it's, it's uh, food and a feast, and then it's comfort and security. And so here in verse 4, there's a turning. Before, he's been talking about God in the third person, he, he. Now he's in his presence, and it's you, you. David addresses God directly, and that is the deepest reason, the deepest sense of his security. God is with him. So again, remember, sheep have no defensive weapons, no teeth, no claws. They can't bite. They can't kick. They can't run. All they have is God's special presence to protect them. All sheep have is a shepherd. All we have is God's special presence. Now the rod, think about the rod, the rod and the staff. So the rod, um, this is not a walking stick. This is a weapon. So think of something like two and a half feet long with a mace-like ending. Often they would embed iron in it. This was a weapon. So sometimes they would use it to count the sheep. So like, you, you, one, two, three, four. But then this was a weapon that you could wield. So again, you think about David when he was a young man and it talks about him killing a lion and a bear with his bare hands. It's not like he killed with a bear hand, like he jumped on his back and ripped its like mouth open. He, he used the rod, the shepherd's rod, and could wield it and, and, and crush the skull of the predator. <clears throat> so this is not a walking stick. And then it's used to protect. But then the staff, the staff is the long staff like you've seen with the, the, the arch, the crook, and it's what he would lean on. It's what he'd use to climb with, what he used to direct the sheep, keep them in line. Sometimes if they got too far away, he used to grab them, pull them back, often used for gently assisting them as they're grazing. I can imagine uh, if the sheep are anything like toddlers, you'd often have to use it and kind of pop, 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 pop them on the, the backside, keep them directed in the right way. But both are essential elements to how he brings comfort and security. One is the rod to protect, and then the staff is the staff to lead and guide. You need protection, you need guidance. We need protection and guidance. And those are two of the things we ought to be praying for all throughout this season. Oh Lord, protect your people, guide your people. Help us to know what to do and how to do it. Those both, uh, both of those things are essential for comfort and security. And then the next thing, he's back. The metaphor shifts again, or shifts in verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. And it's one of the interesting questions you notice. Now, the metaphor has changed. So all throughout this uh, psalm, the metaphor has been the shepherd and the sheep. But now it shifts. And the question is, why? So it shifts from being a shepherd to being a generous host. And now they're no longer sheep, but we are the guest of the generous host. And he is bringing in food and drink for them. Hospitality. He's preparing a banqueting table for them. So you think about Middle East, Bailey talks about in his book how in the Middle East, um, from ancient David's time, even till now, a man's fame was marked by his hospitality the lavishness of his table in which he would bring guests in. So it wasn't like the fancy clothes you would wear, your, your house, all these kind of material possessions. Um, it was your, your hospitality. He says considerable gossip would revolve around a man's table. And so if you wanted fame, you would host meals with more food than your guests could eat. 
It's one of the reasons I like traveling, because I'll put them to the test. Let's see, can you provide more that we can eat? And so to prepare a table, now think about it. preparing a table doesn't mean you set out the table settings. Like you put the, you know, you went to etiquette school, so you know where the fork and the knife and the napkin go and how to make doily uh, animals out of the napkins. Um, what it means to prepare the table is you're actually preparing the food to place in front of the people. Now it's interesting because Bailey talks about how in, this would be shocking to Bedouin pe peasants who would hear this. They would hear this and it would disorient them because you think just in, uh, in this culture uh, when you have much more clearly defined gender roles, the men didn't prepare the table. They didn't prepare the food. So you think about even when Abraham has the angelic guests who come to his table, it's not Abraham who prepares the food. He tells Sarah, quick, go prepare the meal. Or even the prodigal son, when he comes home, what does the father do? He tells the servants, quick, kill, slaughter the fatted calf. My son has come home. Somebody else prepares the food. But what's so beautiful here, and another nuance to the fatherly care for his people, is that it's actually the Lord himself who's preparing the food. God is putting on the apron, and then God is doing the cooking, and God is doing the cleaning. He's preparing the table. And what you see is you get this beautiful image, one of the father who is strong and can protect, and then another of the father who is gentle and humble and can serve. And no matter what you're doing, if you're doing, um, if you're uh, trying to be strong and protect, you are acting, uh, you're acting like God your father. But also if you are humble and you are serving, even it, cooking, cleaning, all of the basic necessities of life, that's a way to be God-like and exhibit his character by lovingly serving those around you. So if during this quarantine season you find yourself being driven crazy by the amount of mess that your family is making around you, remember the Lord is our shepherd and one of the things the, the Lord does is he, he serves those around him in this way. So maybe it can help you um, do it with a, a better uh, attitude. The Lord is putting his apron on. Then he's preparing this meal. It's in the presence of the enemies. So it doesn't matter who's looking, who's watching. He's going to provide a feast. Uh, he's going to anoint the head. that have been this costly oil. They've been out. They've been grazing in the sun, the dirt, the sweat, the heat. This is a way to cleanse and clean and uh, refresh them. And then notice at the table, there's a table and there's a cup. Table and cup. So remember, we hold that symbolism even on this Sunday where we can't gather to come to the Lord's table and drink from the Lord's cup. Our minds are taken back to where is the place that the Lord prepares a table with a cup for us at great cost to himself. The Lord provides a table. He provides the cup. And then this beautiful image of goodness and mercy will follow me all of my days. You know, often shepherds would have assistants. They'd either be like sheepdogs or boys who were, their job was to bring up the rear and keep everybody directed in the right direction. And uh, they would often have to pick up the stragglers. And uh, the word here is chesed, the Lord's covenantal faithfulness. His goodness uh, will follow me all of my days. It's a beautiful promise. So two things as I close and we finish, I want you to think about um, if the Lord is going to be your shepherd and you're going to feel the potency and power of this passage and it's going to work 
as an antidote for anxiety, there's a couple things you need to do. Uh, one is you got to hear his voice. Got to get your ears tuned to hear his voice. You know, for the sheep, the great danger is that they would they would heed the voice of a stranger, or that they would heed the voice of a robber, a thief who was breaking in to steal. There would be so many comp uh, competing voices around them, or there's so many competing voices around us, and and the challenge is to hear his voice. And the defining mark of Jesus's sheep is that they hear his voice. So how can we hear it? We hear it in his word. We hear it through worship. We hear it in the sound of, of the loving, wise counsel from other people. We can hear his voice in the world. The heavens are telling of the glory of God. So we need to hear it from word, worship, world. And then not only do we need to hear his voice, but we need to fix our eyes on him. We need to follow him. Hear his voice, eyes on his person. The only way he can lead us is if we are following him. We gotta follow completely, dependently, joyfully. So completely, dependently, joyfully, follow him. Follow completely. It's not, um, nah, you're going out to pasture today, I think I'll stay here. Uh, you go ahead and you go out. Um, I, I'll catch you guys later. It's not, I'm gonna hang out here, and uh, I tell you what, keep your phone on you, keep your, keep your cell phone on you, and once the wolves come, I'll text you and you run back and you can save me, but I'm good. I'm good here. That's not the way it works. You follow. You follow completely. And even in the times where he's going to take you through the valley of the shadow of death, you know you're just passing through the valley. He bore the brunt of the reality, and so now you just pass through the shadow. But we have to follow completely. We follow dependently. We're dependent on him for both protection and provision. Hit protection, provision. We're dependent and then we follow joyfully. He's not like the hireling who uh, just comes. We follow joyfully. And if we can do those three, those three things, if we can follow completely, follow dependently, follow joyfully, we will move into a place um, where we'll experience the antidote for anxiety. So let's pray. So Lord, we, we praise you that you are our shepherd and with you we will we shall not want so we pause right now and I pray for everyone uh, who can hear my voice everyone in our church everyone we know we love everyone in our community our nation our world as we enter into a season where there will be extreme and heightened anxiety over providing um, and for many people providing the basic necessities of life we pray that you would free us from undue and excessive anxiety. Help us to trust in you and to claim and cling to the promise that if you're our shepherd, we shall not want. And Lord, we pause and we praise you that um, you lead us and you guide us. So we pray now um, for our national leaders we lift up our president, we lift up our uh, governors, our city commissioners, we lift up everyone uh, in the CDC and the different organizations that are placed in a uh, pressure-packed leadership role. We pray that you would lead them and guide them. Help us to be humble, help us to be wise, 
Um, we thank you that if you are our shepherd, that you will lead us. We pray for people who have turned their back on you and they have intentionally rejected and ignore your voice. Pray that this would be a time that would break through their hard-heartedness and bring them back. We pray for any sheep in our life that we know who are lost and are crying out to you. We pray that you would hear them and by your love and your mercy, your goodness and your faithfulness, that you would bring them back to you. Lord, we praise you that you restore our souls. So I pray for anyone who right now they feel anxious, they feel weary, they feel worn. Pray that your word and your worship would restore their souls. And Lord, we pray that you would move us into a place where we can confidently say that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we're walking through a season where death seems a reality and it seems near, we will fear no evil. Lord, we ask that you help all of your people to not fear evil in any way because it has been defeated and conquered through your Son on the cross and the resurrection. So your perfect love casts out fear. So we ask that if there's any fear in this fearful age, this anxious age that you would cast it out and that we would not fear and we would know that you are with us. So Lord, we pray that you would be with us and that your rod and your staff would comfort us. We pray for anyone who needs the rod, who needs um, your power to be displayed so they can defeat whatever evil they're experiencing. And we pray for anyone who needs the staff, the gentle leading and the guiding uh, in whatever stage or situation they're in. And ultimately we cling to and we claim the final great promise that you have promised to prepare a banqueting table for us um, in the presence of our enemies when you lead us home. And so we confess and realize that we are not home yet and that there is a feast that waits for us on that great day. Lord, please be with your people. Renew, rescue, restore, and bring hope. And all this we ask in Christ's holy name. Amen.